Welcome to the Delve Into Money podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. This is the personal finance podcast where we attempt to demystify money by reviewing books and applying what we learn to our own financial journeys. This is episode number 31 of the Delve Into Money podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about using routines to control your spending. In chapter seven of the book, Redeeming Your Time, Jordan Rayner talks about eliminating all hurry from your life. Hurry is the great enemy of our ability to be purposeful, present, and productive, as Jordan says in the book. Let me repeat, hurry is the great enemy of our ability to be purposeful, present, productive, in our lives. So today we're going to talk about how to eliminate hurry from our lives, how to use routines that we create to help us personally and professionally. So we're going to talk about the three practices that Jordan mentions in the book, and then we're going to apply this to our money and talk a little bit about routines that we can create to make our financial life easier. Practice number one that Jordan talks about is he talks about building a time budget template. A time budget is a plan for how you will spend your time any given day. Too many of us let our day just float by without having a plan for the time. Now, if if you're not working in a full-time job, this is going to be a little bit different. But for those of us that are working in a full-time job, which is the perspective that I'm looking at it from, we need to manage our time to make sure we're spending the time on the things that are most important to us. Time management is energy management because there are going to be times in the day where we've got more or less energy and we want to make sure we're putting our best energy towards the best things. Jordan says in the book, routines are a single decision that eliminate a thousand future decisions and thus preserve your energy. So every day when we get to work, every day when we're going about our business, we don't want to have to make decisions all over again. We want to create routines that can help us make decisions once and then just know how to live that out. So Jordan does this by having two different calendars, one for a time budget and one for appointments. And he goes and he creates a schedule for his day. So he starts with time in the word. And then he has a work time. He has morning routines. He has evening routines. He creates block for deep work. He creates blocks for breaks, for checking messages, and then for daily review. And so the way that his day works is he would have time in the word morning routine, go to work, do a first block of deep work, then take a break, maybe do a second block of deep work, uh, or maybe after that first block, we'll check messages, then go into a second block of deep work, and then take another break, and then have some shallow work mixed in after that. And so the idea is, is that you figure out when you have the most energy and you're planning your deep work periods around that energy. 
This is also known as time blocking. And so we time block our day to make sure that the things that we're doing get added to our calendar. So anything that's going to take significant time through our day, we want to block off that calendar time and work around our appointments to make sure that we get that focused work on the thing that we do. And the more consistent you can keep your days going back to the routines, the more you're just going to automatically go to that next thing. Because what happens a lot of times is we get done with something and we don't make that transition to the next thing. We don't take a break. We don't, we don't have intention with what we're doing next. So we end up getting distracted, going on social media, getting into messages, just really doing anything to, to keep ourselves away from that next important task. And that is what kills us. And it, it, I can, I guess, at least say that for me, it's that transition period between tasks that can result in us losing a whole day to things that were not technically important. The reality of it is, is that checking messages and meetings are most likely your, not your most important things and that we've got real work that we've got to get done. So I would encourage you to create blocks for deep work in your day. These will typically be 45 minutes to an hour and a half. And then you will take a break and you'll either go into another block or you will uh, instead do a lighter block after that. It just kind of depends on how your energy flow is. The next practice was to adjust your time budget in a daily review. So every day at or near the end of the day, we want to do a daily review. We want to reflect on what we did that day and we want to reflect on what our schedule needs to be the next day. Because just as we lose time on transitions, we lose time when we show up and don't know what we're going to do because then we can easily get distracted with the urgent thing of that day. So we want to answer two questions. How do I need to adjust my time budget to accommodate the things that will invariably conflict with your plan? So you want to set a default kind of time budget and then you want to look each day and say, what appointments or what things are going to distract me or pull me away from this time budget. And you want to make sure that you accommodate for those before you even start. And then you also need to know beforehand when you have a block for deep work, you want to make sure that you know what you're going to be doing during that deep work, because there's no point in having the block if you've not scheduled what you're doing in that time. So Jordan talks about for his daily review, he has four steps. Step one, he prays. He wants to get his mind right. So this could also be a meditation or just like a deep breath, whatever you need to do to reset your mindset to get ready to be appropriate with this review. The second step is you want to move your time budget blocks around the fixed boundaries that you have for the day. So if you have a meeting, you want to move your blocks around to make sure and accommodate for that meeting. Step three, you want to plug whatever project it is into your time budget. So you want to actually make sure you're scheduling a specific amount of time for specific tasks. So the way that this would look is you would have a time block calendar that is, again, on top of your just regular calendar. So it's not filling up your calendar. It's not filling up your schedule. But as you plan for that next day, you can then add that stuff to 
your regular calendar. At least that's the way that I do it. You could put this stuff on your regular calendar. The only issue that you can have with that is like if you actually book the whole day with kind of filler blocks that no one can look at your calendar and schedule a meeting. That may be what you're going for, but that's uh, not the way I go about it or tend to go about it. And so we want to then take those deep work times. So say you have one that's in the morning and it's just labeled deep work. So we want to actually label those for the things that you're going to be getting done. We don't want to make our calendars our to-do list, but we want it to be a cue or reminder to go back to our action list, the things that we've got on our to-do list to get done. One framework that I've used and, and Jordan uses is the Eisenhower matrix. It's a great way to determine what qualifies as something that's worthy of getting done. You have items that are either important or urgent, non-important or non-urgent. And so you've got four boxes that then determine. So it can be important, but non-urgent. It could be non-important and non-urgent. It could be important and urgent, important and non-urgent, non-important and urgent. So you can see you can combine those two words, important and urgent or important, non-important, and non-urgent, and you have four different scenarios where those cross over. So to decide what is important, we want to ask which problem, once solved, is going to make the most of the other problems easier to solve or disappear entirely. So we want to take the things that are going to move the most balls down the court. And then step four is we want to check and make sure we have ample breaks and margin within our day. Because if we don't create margin in our day, it's going to be very easy to get off track midway through. And when we get off track, we're then sabotaging the rest of the things that we said we were going to get done. And so we end up piling up thing after thing after thing, and we want to avoid that. Practice number three that Jordan mentions in here is we want to protect our time budget with a unique approach to no. And his framework is if it's not amazing, it's a no. I've also heard a framework of if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And so that's the idea is if you're not getting excited, if you're not immediately upon hearing it say, yes, I want to do that, it's a no. Our time budget also lets us know if we have time for that thing because we're able to look and see what our responsibilities are, what we have coming up, and realistically look at if we have time for the request. There's two buckets that Jordan uses for requests. He uses favors and opportunities. So when he's answering yes or, or asking before answering yes, these four questions in regards to favors. One, am I the best person to say yes to this request? If you're not, that's an immediate no of why you shouldn't say yes, and you can pass them along to a better person. Two, is this the most generous use of my time? Three, would I say yes to a hundred similar requests for my time? If you can't say yes to a hundred similar requests, you probably shouldn't say yes to the one request. And then number four, do I have room in my time budget to say yes to this favor? If it's an opportunity, here are four questions that you could ask about opportunities. 
is the opportunity aligned with your goals? If it's not aligned with your goals, you should be saying no. Question number two, is this really a great opportunity for what? So opportunities aren't attached to something meaningful, aren't opportunities. They're simply things that bring up excitement. So if it's not attached to something that is going to lead to something else, then it may not really be that great of an opportunity. Question number three, am I trying to do good or make myself look good? So if if your motivation is just an internal motivation for pleasing other people, for trying to get some accolades, you may need to reconsider saying yes. And then number four is what will I say no to? So if you're saying yes here, what else am I having to say no to? A lot of times opportunities come up and they mean that you're having to say no to your family or to something important at work. And those should be no's. So no's are hard because you don't want to disappoint people. You don't want to be seen as rude. And we think we're letting people down when we say no. So here are three tips to delivering a good no. First, we want to delay your response. But this is except if you know that it's a no. If you know that it's a no right now, you don't want to delay your response. You want to tell them what you know is a no. Jimmy Collins, the former Chick-fil-A president, said, it is kindness to refuse immediately what you eventually intend to deny. So if you know your answer is a no, we want to go ahead and deny it. Number two is we want to encourage, then decline, then help. So we want to offer help if it's an appropriate thing to offer help to. Sometimes it might be appropriate to offer a lower level of commitment. So say someone wants you to come speak, but you already have the resources, say, no, I'll just send you the resources, right? Or they want to get you on a phone call, but you don't have time for that, but say, hey, I, I would love to answer a specific question via email. So in the appropriate situation, you can offer a lower level commitment and give them the chance to deny that. And then the third thing is just accept being misunderstood. Every opportunity, everything is not for you. And just accept that when you say no, there's a possibility that someone is going to get offended or someone's going to get upset. It's okay. It's not the end of the world in almost every situation. And especially if it's something that doesn't align with you because that no isn't going to hurt you because it doesn't align with you. So three applications here is creating a time budget and then using a daily review to schedule out that time budget. And then we want to protect that time budget by knowing how to say no. So I hope this framework is, is helpful. When, when applying it to our money, let's talk about two different things. First, when you learn how to say no and when you learn how to limit yourself to the right opportunities, it will help you avoid spending that you would have otherwise made. When you take on additional opportunities, you inevitably are exposed to other spending opportunities as well. A lot of the requests we get are requesting our time and even our money. And so when we we learn how to say a good no, we can avoid spending money on things that we ultimately didn't want. We shouldn't be spending money 
out of pity or out of obligation to another person. The other way it'll help you is it creates, saying no creates room for things that could make you more money in the future. A lot of times I think we accept so many things that then we don't have the time to spend our time on the most important things that we've got. And it fills up our commitments. And when we fill up our commitments, it then makes us think that we don't have the capacity to do the bigger things that we would ultimately want to do. So learning how to say no is going to help you make more money because it's going to help you be able to focus on the important things at work. It's going to be able to help you gain a new skill. It's going to help your personal development in general. Then the third reason saying no will help is that saying no opens up opportunities for experimentation. Greg McCune talks about this in Effortless as we want to say no to most things because that's going to allow us to say yes and actually experiment more with other things. Saying no opens up opportunities to experiment and those experiments lead to more opportunities and better opportunities. People, I think, tend to think that the people around them are just getting lucky. But the reality of it is, is luck comes from reps in most cases. So the more things you can fail at, the more things you can try, the more likely you are to get that lucky break. And so we want to create our own luck and being able to say no is going to help us create some of that luck. The second application to money that I want to talk about is we want to use time budgets to create routines that will help us avoid bad habits. So we're losing money in a few different ways. The first way that we're losing money is that we're not following through. And when we create routines in our workday, we're going to be better at following through. A good example of this is, and this is just, you know, in my day-to-day job, you know, I'm a CFO at a small business. And so sometimes that results in us having to collect on money. But if we send an invoice, but we never follow up with that person and we don't talk to them until 30, 60, 90 days after the invoice was sent, we're a lot less likely to get paid. But when we build routines, which is what we've done, we have twice a month to follow up on people that we haven't heard from and it's built into that schedule. So when we create that routine we're actually making money for the company because we're making it more likely that we're going to collect on that invoice. This can apply in a lot of different ways, especially if you're in sales. If you create routines that mean you're better at follow-up than the next guy, that's going to result in more sales. But even less directly, if you create routines where you follow up well, just a general office worker is going to be more likely to get those promotions, to come across well to upper management, just all of these things that result in you having more opportunities to make more money. But another way, just a spending thing, and I know this is something I'm working on in in regards to work, is I like to take a break during the workday. And so that break will sometimes be lunch. Well, that results in me eating out too often during lunch, during the work hours. And so I'm looking to create routines that would prevent me 
from eating lunch. So that could be setting up that I'm going to take my lunch to work and I'm going to eat lunch with coworkers. So it could be that I create a routine in the morning to make that lunch so that I don't forget my lunch during the day. And then I create a recurring calendar invite, say once a week or twice a week, to eat at the lunch table at work with coworkers. There are ways that you can do that you can avoid spending issues that you have. The same could be said for if you have a shopping problem, if you're shopping too much for one specific thing. You want to try and break those routines and create new ones. You're breaking those bad habits, replacing them with good ones so that you can avoid that in the future. There's another thing as well about creating roadblocks. You can create those roadblocks that then interrupt that routine and then you can insert your new routine. So there's a lot of different ways that we can create routines to help us spend less money, make more money, save more money, whatever that looks like. You know, a perfect one that you don't even think about is setting up automatic drafts or automatic deposits into accounts. Because when you do that, you're creating a routine where you're not having to touch anything, but you're getting the benefit of the automation that is there. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to wrap it up right there. Next week, we're going to do a wrap-up episode on this whole book, and then we're going to move on to the next thing. I'd love if you would subscribe to the podcast. If you've not rated and reviewed, I would really, really appreciate that. It means so much. It shows social proof that people are loving what we're putting out there. So remember... Healthy financial decisions are intentional financial decisions. Intentional decisions this week lead to a healthy financial future. Start today. We'll see you next week.